everyone and welcome back to the Sporting Global podcast and uh, welcome Dan it's 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 a pleasure having you here all the way from uh, New York how are you I'm good I I love to see that there are international sports fans that are as passionate as me I can uh, I can tell you that the the intersection between sports and law sports and business is very we'll say very hot uh, over here in the states but uh yeah it's a pleasure to come on with you and it's a pleasure having you. I mean, like, and, and for those of you that are tuning in, I mean, like me and Dan, we're going to, I mean, like, we're going to dive a little bit into sort of like your sports law background, like uh, the podcast that you opened as well. And a lot of the cases that you are discussing. And if you out there that are, you know, tuning in today, if you want to listen to more, you know, tips, advice, you know, some some insights from people like Dan, you know, make sure to to like this video, you know, maybe maybe write a comment, share it, you know, and, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. So, so you can get some great tips from people like Dan like every week and that's that's pretty nice when you're a young young professional student or or am I right Dan it would be nice having that sort of resource when when you were starting your career well yeah it definitely would be nice they can uh, in addition to getting maybe some career advice uh, I think uh, they're hearing from two people that might use some very fancy hair product um, so they can also <laughs> get some tips on that end as well we, we, we might have to share our insights on that, or maybe that's just from like a behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, offline. Behind the offline. scenes, yeah, off, off record. You're going to have to pre- pay for the premium content to get that stuff. Premium content is like hair advice from like two leading sports professionals, you know, one Nor- for Norwegian here and one for like, I don't know, New- US, New York here. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But anyways, Dan, I'm just going to dive right into it. And I'm just kind of like curious, like, where does your sort of like passion for sports and law come from? Where did it all start? So it started when I was a baby. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I come from a, a family of lawyers. Uh, so my dad's a lawyer, my sister's a lawyer, my uncle's a lawyer, you know, it's up, up and down. My wife is a lawyer, my brother-in-law is a lawyer. So. The, we'll say I have a, the legal DNA, um, and that's you know where that kind of started. And then on the sports side, you know, I've, I've been a sports fan. Uh, you know, we have our our U.S. sports, be it uh, American football. I know we, we were football. I have to be very clear: football with two O's, not right. a U. Uh, with basketball, but I've been a season ticket holder for uh, a number of sports when I was growing up. And then uh, you know, kind of where uh, the sports law kind of coincides. Like you're in a family full of lawyers. Uh, and the lawyers are sports fans. It's like, you know, they, I kind of just grew up around it. So, yeah, that's sports law is not necessarily uh, such a big thing in the States, but uh, it's, it's an industry that I'm, I think uh, we're heading in the right direction uh, as of late. So I'm happy to be uh, in front of that. No, for sure. And I mean, like, it, it all start, starts with sort of like that initial passion. And I think a lot of the people that got involved in sports sort of like, have some sort of affiliation you know from there were young as you know maybe have like a favorite memory or or something and, and and i might have to just ask you like maybe what's your favorite sports memory that you have well you're gonna like this one because i know i'm speaking your language if i tell you i have a favorite hockey memory how about that what, are we, that that's, okay? that's that's pretty impressive that's pretty impressive didn't expect that <laughs> um so hockey uh you know in new york people follow the new york rangers one of the premier uh franchises that was my first sports memory i was born uh way back in 1988 i'm just over I'm turning 33 this year you know, an old man i got a, i got a kid at home it's pretty crazy 
But my first sports memory was seeing um, the, the New York Rangers win the Stanley Cup in the 93-94 season. It was about six years old. And at the time, I didn't really understand the significance. I didn't understand why people were crying and, and right. crazy. Right. Um, but for people that, you know, now that I'm older, I got it. The Rangers hadn't won the cup in decades. So uh, <laughs> people literally had not seen and didn't think they'd see the Rangers win the Stanley Cup in their lifetimes. But I remember, you know, I'm not, I'm not from New York City. I live just outside the city, about an hour away. But people right. were celebrating everywhere. It wasn't just Times Square. It was people right. crying and going crazy. So I, I remember my first memories. I'm like, this is really cool that sports is having this type of emotion in people. Um, and like it was weeks, weeks after the game. And like, if you go to like the local deli by my house, like yeah, they yeah. Have pictures of the Stanley Cup celebration from 93, 94. So it was a very, very special time, uh, you know, in, in, in New York history. Other than the Yankees uh, and, and maybe the New York football giants, there's not that much winning uh, that's gone on New York recently. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, like, honestly, I can totally relate to that. Not from like a, a hockey perspective, but from a, a football or, or, or soccer, as you guys call it. But uh, but I mean, like the, the first time, like my local team, like in Norway, Molde Football Club, like won their championship in 20, 2011 was the first time the club was 100 year. I never seen my dad cry and he cried, you know, and I was like, you know, you see like in a stadium of like 10,000 people, like literally just crying and sharing and, and you just realize how much it means you know and and that, that's what makes sports so unique it's like just that emotional impact it, it has on people and that's that that's incredible and and i mean like it's always fun having like the, those hockey stores and i guess you were kind of lucky to like being able to be at that game you know and and, and see that well full disclosure i was not at the game i was probably i probably would have been a wasted ticket but i <laughs> i was uh, around the aftermath and then we were, we were season ticket holders. We've since stopped, but that was a team with anyone that follows hockey, Mark Messier, Mike Richter, yeah. Brian Leach, full of Hall of Famers. So you don't, I just thought they were names. And then now right. you get older, I'm like, right. wow, it was just Hall of Famers that I was just watching. So yeah, very, very cool. Well, now I guess uh, like maybe you appreciate that moment, I guess, even more from there's like learning of like how meaningful that was. And I mean, like, of course, it's it's not easy digesting that as a kid, but uh, but now and just being so closely with sport too, it's just acknowledging that moment and also understanding how rare it is, you know, in, in many cases and for most teams, like just having that, you know, opportunity to win the Stanley Cup or, or something like that. And and just just diving a little bit, I guess, like into like, how did your sort of like your journey in the sport industry begin uh, from, from that matter? Of course, like, you know, you have this sport passion and, and as a fan, but from like a sport professional perspective, like take, take a little bit through that journey. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think you got to get lucky a little bit and then you got to, you know, hopefully you have the right contacts in place, but I got a little bit of both. Um, so, you know, when I grew up, that's the only thing I want to do is work in sports, right? You want right. to be a sports agent. You want to be the general manager of the team. <laughs> I played NHL like 95, 97, right. 2000, Madden, FIFA. I'd do franchise mode. I'd, you know, I'd be a bit, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have a lot of fun creating teams, but like, you know, what's the best way as a profession to impact the game? It's probably as an agent or as a scout or as a general manager. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. Um, but obviously no one's hiring me in like high school. Like I'm not doing any like advanced coding or algorithms or predictive modeling. I was just a sports fan. So, um, you know, when I was in high school, I worked for, I, you know, I told you my family was judges, so I'm sorry, my family are lawyers, so I worked for some uh, judges and, you know, normal boring stuff, worked at a clothing store, 
Um, and then uh, when I went to college, uh, I, the New York Giants, the NFL team, uh, actually had their training camp about 10 minutes from my school. My school nice. is a, I didn't go to a very large school. My, my college only had uh, 2,200 kids in the whole, the whole school. So it's a fairly <laughs> small college. Um, yeah. But you, you will like this. We are a school called Union College. We were the Division One, which is the uh, highest level of college sports, Division One National Hockey Champions, even only with 2,200. So that's, um, that's pretty impressive, especially in the U.S. It, yes, and, and some of these schools that we were competing against had about 100,000 kids. And you know, so anyway, story for another time. But um, <laughs> I, I, got a, I got a pretty nice so lucky break. I got a job with the New York Giants in their public relations department. Um, was I doing the most substantive things? No, I was delivering <laughs> newspapers. I was giving people like these fancy press credentials that you can get to go right. on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. I was putting a microphone in people's face and recording everything <laughs> that like Eli Manning said. But you know, um, it was a cool job. I got a lot of cool access. Did it pay well? No. Um, did I feel important? Not necessarily, because I was very low on the totem pole. Yeah. But I, I liked being around it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I worked there as, uh, uh, you know, when I was 19, I worked there again my, when I turned 20 that summer. And then, uh, you know, I had a decision, right? I was graduating college, so I had to get a job. And uh, I said, should I try to get this job full time and do this for the Giants, which would have been cool. Right. But I'm like, I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I want to work in public relations. I, I right. look around sports, people have... The general managers of teams have law degrees. The agents have law degrees, right? The commissioners of the entire league have law degrees. So I'm like, maybe if I use my contacts in sports and I get a law degree, I can make something of this. So that's right. kind of how I got in. I got pretty lucky that just they worked, the training camp was close to me. And then my path was like, let me see if I can make a law degree and, and carve a little bit of a, a different path, a little bit of a gamble. Right, right. And I mean, like, that, that's sort of like just understanding as well, like, okay, what is sort of like your potential end goal, I guess, and like realizing, okay, what are some of the steps and the journey that you can take to do that? And I think that's sort of like important as well. And what we try to like talk a lot about here is that every person sort of like, like there's many ways to like reach that angle right and it's that angle might also change you know on, on on the journey of like what you want to achieve but there's many paths you know of, of of leading to that and now you're sort of like you know of course like the the, the sports and entertainment lawyer at the garagos and garagos i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly but you're close you're close Gar garagos and garagos yeah it's uh, it was uh norwegian close. Close. <laughs> and uh but you started as a litigation attorney and and now i'm sort of like wondering like what kind of cases are you working on like right now as a sports and entertainment attorney so i'd say probably about uh, anywhere between a third and 50 percent of my cases are pure sports and then the rest are you know pure legal cases some of them are uh, maybe on the entertainment side maybe some uh, high net worth individuals some you know uh, companies that people might have heard of um but i guess the the important part that i try to be very uh you know, try to explain to people in order to work in like i'm gonna put in quotes sports law right it's not enough to just be like hey i love hockey i love right baseball because if you want to work at that level you want to work with athletes right and let's say you want to sue the nfl right and you're not gonna oh i have a sports fan that knows every team that won the super bowl for the last 10 years like no right. you're gonna hire a very very good lawyer 
And sometimes they don't even need to know anything about sports because your case is going to be a pure legal case. An individual suing a high powered entity. You don't need to know sports to sue the NFL. It helps, it helps, but you don't need it. Right. Um, and the other way around, you know sports and you don't know anything about the law, guess what? You are not going to get those fancy jobs. So what I, what I try to tell people is the reason I got this job, and I'm happy to kind of explain to you the history, but like, yeah. I really wanted this job when I graduated law school and right. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get any, any job that had anything to do with sports and law because I was a baby lawyer and I didn't right. have any experience. So I didn't plan it this way, but I kind of said to myself, sports doesn't want me. I can't get a job in these fields. I had, uh, I had a really good background. I had worked for the Giants. Uh, I was president of my school sports law society. Yeah. I had, uh, worked for a baseball agency. I worked for a couple of teams during school. I had this great network. network. Right. Um, and uh, when it came to graduation, they're just like, well, we have to pay you real money now and you can't intern, so <laughs> tough luck. And uh, yeah, so um, I went on a path and I basically said, sports is, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, but I'm gonna be the best uh, trial lawyer, uh, litigator is another way to say trial lawyer. Like people say those fancy legal movies, you know, or uh, <laughs> I don't know if people watch My Cousin Vinny or any of those fun documentary movies, yeah, yeah. Uh, law, law and Order. Um, you know, I, I like the competition of trying a case, you know, someone, one person against another. It's the same kind of sports primal instinct. And I right. said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be as good as I can. And then wouldn't you know, um, you know, I kept my contacts up, but I started making a name for myself as a lawyer. And then when I wanted to move into sports, I had the legal background that a firm that sues the NFL, that sues teams. They're like, oh, this guy is a good lawyer and he knows everything about sports. Like, let's bring right. this guy on. So, yeah, like, that's 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 kind of how it happened. But it's all, you know, you can't kind of plan that stuff out. But he had sort of like, I guess, like a, a special case or something that, that, that came up and sort of like worked as some sort of, I, I guess, pathway or breakthrough into, into the sport industry. Why don't, you, why don't you tell a bit about that case and like sort of like how that kind of like came up and, and, and what sort of like that unfolded for your sport law career? Yeah, it's a, it's a story I love telling, obviously, because it's like a happy accident, um, yeah. I guess, to to fast forward, right, like uh, to, to see what I do day to day, because I probably didn't answer the last question. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, uh, if anybody follows American football, our firm uh, sued the NFL. Uh, we represented Colin Kaepernick suing the NFL for uh, collusion. Um, we've represented people suing uh, the Houston Astros who have a very uh, messy cheating scandal, if anyone follows yeah. American baseball. So we have very heavy cases. We, we generally represent athletes suing leagues. So we kind of function as a pseudo, we help the agents, you know, help their players. Right. So that's right. kind of what I do. Now, um, so for about five years, I'm getting, I'm getting older than tooth here. I'm like 33 now, so I don't remember the <laughs> years exactly, but- Still uh, pretty young, still pretty young. <laughs> rel relatively young. Uh, my hair is still black, so maybe at, at some point, uh, I will not have uh, my hands. <laughs> Yeah, um, so, so then you're still young. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I is, is uh, I, I try and then I think probably, probably part of the reason you guys have me here, I, I network and I try to have always for my career network in different and unique and different ways to stand out. And uh, somebody at some point told me to stand out as a lawyer, you need to write, you need to publish, you need to get your name out in, in creative ways to show people that you're engaged. So um, as a lawyer, I was not practicing in anything that had to do with sports. I was doing a corporate law. I was defending corporations that got sued for any type of things. I was not where I wanted to be, but it was a, it was a good job. 
And uh, for those that follow, um, you know, basketball, there was a, a star player for the Golden State Warriors. His name's Kevin Durant. Um, hopefully, people know who Kevin Durant is. But let's say he's like he's like uh, he's like Lionel Messi. He's he's a right. big deal. He's he's right. a top top three, top four player in basketball in the world. And what happened? Um, you know, just like uh, you know, free, he was about to be a free agent. He was about yeah. to be able to pick any team he wanted to go to in the entire you know entire league. And, uh, but what was standing in his way was his team, the Golden State Warriors over in California, which only I know you're familiar with California from your background. Very familiar. <laughs> he, uh, he, his team, the, the team that he was probably poised to leave, his contract was firing, they were in the NBA finals. So everyone said, okay, you know, after the finals over, he'll go to whatever team he wants to go to. The problem was Kevin Durant uh, hurt himself at the really early rounds of the playoffs. He hurt his calf and it was a right. pretty serious calf. Yeah, I remember injury. that. So he was out of, of action for about a month. So when the finals started, he hadn't played in, in a couple of weeks. So uh, everyone's like, well, there's no point in him playing, right? Like he's just, he doesn't care about the Warriors. He's going to find a new team, you know? So right. he doesn't need to play. So I think to a lot of people's surprise, he played. Uh, he just, after not playing for a couple of weeks, he started a game and played the first five minutes of the game. He didn't play any minutes after that only because he tore his Achilles. And uh, as someone that had uh, defended, you know, I've been involved in personal injury cases, I know a little bit about the human body as a fairly, not a, not a division one college athlete, but I played at a high level. Right. I understand that the calf and the Achilles are somewhat connected. If you have a calf injury, it can make your Achilles more susceptible. If right. you tear your Achilles, uh, it's a very, very bad injury. So yeah. me as my, my legal brain started picking and I said, okay, if a doctor told Kevin Durant that it was safe for him to play, that he couldn't injure his Achilles, and he went out and injured his Achilles, uh, probably get sued for medical malpractice, which is a very, very lucrative and expensive case if you get hit with it. And I have worked right. on those in my career. So, you know, who was I? I was some lawyer that knew a lot about sports. I had not written a word about sports, but I knew a lot about it. And I knew about medical malpractice. And I knew everything about Kevin Durant. Right. So I wrote a story and I said, listen, I researched it. Uh, I might, you know, I looked it up. The Achilles injury is a career-ending injury. And you'd hope that the doctor would have told him that there was a risk of injuring his Achilles because the calf is right. the same, you know, same, same leg. He heard it within five minutes of the game. Anyway, so uh, I guess I'll fast forward, but he, I wrote an article about if, if Kevin Durant could sue the Warriors, he, he could win. And if he could win, because he makes almost a hundred million dollars, he's not, he's a very high paid athlete. Yeah. It's a career and it's a career ending injury. You yeah. just multiply out how many years left he had in his career. So if he was going to play another 10 years, he was making $100 million on and off the court. It's not a shock that someone might ask for a billion dollars if you really cost the guy his career. So right. I wrote an article, you know, the anatomy of a billion-dollar lawsuit, how Kevin Durant could sue the Warriors. Sexy title, uh, and maybe, maybe too sexy, but it got picked up by uh, ESPN, by right. Fox Sports. You know, those are our equivalent of Sky Sports over here. The biggest sports media right. entities in the country were all of a sudden calling me for interviews on this topic. And then right. what happened uh, kind of from there uh, you know, that story kind of came and went. And then uh, there was some other stuff that had come on the late great Kobe Bryant, for example, passed away right. in a helicopter crash. Yeah. And that's a lawsuit. There's a, currently a lawsuit going on. Kobe Bryant's wife sued the helicopter company. And they go, who was that lawyer that we had on for the Kevin Durant? He was pretty entertaining. Like, let's get him on. And now um, it's kind of circuitous. I get called for any number of topics at the intersection of sports and law. And it's a blast. It's, it's so much fun. Um, but it all kind of happened. Only just, I put myself out there. I'm like, hey, I'm going to write an article on this. Maybe someone <laughs> will read it. And then wouldn't I know, 
the, my, that article was read uh, over a million times and it crashed my firm's website. And, uh, you know, that, that in a real, real sense kind of set me off on the, the path that uh, I am on today. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I mean, like, that's, that's sort of like, yeah, it's like a sports charming, you know, the, the underdog story, kind of, you know, in a sense of like, take it. I mean, like it is though, you know, in a sense. And, and I mean, like, well, Here's, here's the, the truth, and then I'll stop. I love to talk, guys. Really to talk. I do love to talk. Hey, it's, it's I didn't... your podcast. <laughs> oh, it's, this is your podcast. Maybe we'll have you on, on mine afterwards, which we can talk about. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't go, and, and this is for people that listen that are sports fans. Not everyone's going to go to the top schools. I didn't go to Harvard or Yale or, you know, I didn't go to Oxford. I went to a very small school. And uh, what, did, what did I do differently than most? I prided myself on being an excellent networker and I'm always networking in some way, shape or form. Um, yeah. And that's, what did I really do? I just, just networked and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna put this article out so I can meet more people and maybe those people can help me network even further. So constantly finding creative ways to network that just kind of, you know, you can get on people's radars in, in these unique and different ways. No, for sure. And I mean, like, it's, it, it, it's an interesting story and just shows also like the, the, the potential of like what's out there. But at the end of the day, it starts with like, you know, your initiative and, and, and saying like, hey, I have a, I have a voice about this and, and not just like a voice, right? You, you actually have like, you know, the, the necessary skills and the background on, on sort of like both sides to understanding, you know, how do we tie this in together? And, and as you said, I mean, like it, 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 it's, it's, it's an interesting case. And I mean, like, I guess I have to like take some uh, advice from you on how to how to write like some proper proper like clickbait titles but <laughs> oh i'm very good at that i'm very good so, i mean like but, but, you, but the truth is you got to back them up with substance if you have a clickbait story and your article is not good you you you've lost the the uh, faith in but right you know, if you you have a good title i mean that's new people are employed in the newspaper industry solely for their their headlines and it's, <laughs> it's, it's a real it's a real skill no it is it is and and i guess like you know talking a little about um, sort of like your ability of networking and and sort of like that you know being a network and putting yourself out there i guess like one of the things you know you you sort of like brought from this is sort of like the the sports law podcast and and i guess like that's sort of like a, a way of communicating and, and networking as well and and what was sort of like the background for this for this podcast i guess and what kind of you know topics and cases are you discussing on the show so this is might surprise you um i uh, and i'm sure you're the same way with your podcast i look at all the metrics i look to see you like what time people are downloading what country they're from how many obviously we have a, a very sizable international audience, though we only really talk about, uh, you know, domestic sports. We talk about pro sports, college sports, high school sports. Right. Um, you know, we, we talk, uh, and some, sometimes we'll talk about, uh, there's a big lawsuit that's going on now. Nike is in, involved in a lawsuit. The Nike sneaker company is involved in a lawsuit. Um, so we, we cover all things where a sports fan would potentially be interested. They go, oh, Nike is suing, and Ole, I mean, I can tell you this case, it's very interesting. And I see for anyone that's just listening to this, it's a very interesting case. Are you a sneaker fan, Oli? Are you just like a sneakerhead? I mean, like, I think everyone has like a limited relationship to like sneaker, but I think I really like just stepped that up that game once like you hit the US. I, it, I feel like it's a different kind of sneaker game vibe when it goes to the, when you go to the US. But, uh, but yeah. It a hundred percent is. So like, I'll, I'll explain like, you know, and so I, I love, because I, my story is very unique. I love telling people about, you know, story. And I just want to say like, what, what people always ask me, and this is why I started the podcast or why I joined the podcast. Right. Um, like, what should I write about? And I'm like, any legal topic that you find interesting, someone will find interesting. 
So here's this really cool case that we've spent, we're going to do another episode on it uh, this week, but Nike is this big shoe company and there's a secondary market for shoes. So what happens is they'll hit the, they'll hit the market the first time. And sometimes people will customize the sneakers in an interesting way and then they'll sell them to somebody else. It's called the resale market. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not really allowed to do it, but you know, Nike doesn't want to uh, hurt people's creativity. So they kind of let it happen. It exists and Nike knows about it. Now, Oli, what happens if someone makes a custom shoe, but it's not a normal custom shoe. The custom shoe is commemorating Satan, the devil. And it is a, a black shoe that is, get this, and I'm not making this up. People are free yeah. to look this up. There are drops of human blood in the shoe. And there's a, you know, the pentagram devil, like zipper on the thing. And it's a shoe made of human blood. Wow. Um, now, Nike has always had the ability to step in and stop these, but they haven't because they want to incentivize creative people and it's a full market. Right. But at what point do you go too far? Right. Probably making a Satan shoe is going too far. So <laughs> what is happening right now, it's, it's really one of the first lawsuits of its type. Nike is suing to take these shoes off the market and they're suing this, this brand, it's called Mischief. M -I, uh, it's M-S-C-H-F. And they did a commemorative deal. Um, maybe people will know there's an artist uh, called Lil Nas X. He's a rapper over here. Mm -hmm. He does R&B stuff. The right. shoe and why people kind of were confused that Nike was a part of this. It wasn't just some random company coming up with a shoe. It right. was a special Lil Nas X special edition of a shoe. So maybe you wouldn't believe that Mischief as this random company had a Nike deal. But if Lil Nas X is attached to it, he's you know, won tons of awards for, for his, his songs. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought there was some affiliation, and what happened? Because uh, on one of these really fun days on Twitter, um, and I'm at, uh, I can go over my social media after, but people <laughs> said what well, Nike was getting hate messages. I'm never buying your shoes again because you support the devil, and I'm boycotting Nike. And guess what? This Satan shoe probably objectively hurt the Nike brand. So now there's a lawsuit. Right. Nike and the Satan shoe, and that's perfect for my podcast because I can explain <laughs> to sneakerheads to maybe fans of Satan. I mean, I don't want them to listen to my podcast, but if they want it, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, but really interesting topics that maybe that sports fans wouldn't find, but if you just tune in, you trust us, we, we lead you to some really interesting stories at this intersection of sports. And right. No, I mean, like that's, that's a unique case. I mean, like, like you said, I think there's never been anything like that before. And, and I also think not like, many, not many Satan shoes on the market. Not I many mean, Satan like things. probably not as much as you'd think, <laughs> but, uh, maybe more than you would assume, you know, but, uh, but anyways, there's, uh, I mean, like, it's always interesting, right? It's, it's always like a fine balance for brands too of like, where do you, where do you set the bar, right? Of like, what is acceptable or not? Or where, when do you step in, right? And, and I think like that just also comes down to like, you know, the brand and what they stand for, right? It's, and I know as well, like I see this everywhere on like social media, on like Reels and on TikTok and like all the ones that are like sort of like customizing like Nike shoes or Adidas shoes or Converse shoes or whatever and, and selling them, right? And, and you see that every time. But I think like this is the first time where you're like, when the bar of creativity has been pushed to an extreme level. A little bit. <laughs> and also, just as a, as a fun aside, uh, this is, this is it's an, like these guys had come out with a Jesus shoe, the same company, a Jesus shoe uh, earlier. So they're like, well, why are you only yelling at us when we come out with the Satan shoe, but you didn't yell at us with the Jesus shoe? So it's, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's just, it's just comedy. I mean, it's really, you know, if you bring a bunch of lawyers together with a sense of humor that are sports fans, you know, it's, yeah. you can have a conversation. It doesn't have to be, 
so boring. Like it's not, you know, barristers and we have the fancy wigs. You know, if we can just right. have fun, like we're talking in a bar or a pub, you know, we can right. just talk and, about sports. And I guess law. like that's sort of like the cases that most people like and also like appeal and re- relate to, right? I mean, like most people are not also interested in, in, in hearing sort of like the typical cases, I guess, like the, the average case that you're dealing with, you know, maybe like you have to like hit on those. Okay. This is, this is like a unique case, kind of like the Kevin, Kevin Durant thing. It's like, Whoa, this is, this is different, right? It hits different. Yeah. And then, you know, I think that people are following this. This is an interesting one. I mean, just, just a difference between, uh, you know, our, our respective uh, sports worlds in the United States, if you're an amateur athlete, right? if you're a high school athlete, you're a college athlete, um, you know, you cannot get, unless you turn pro early, which no one really turns pro before the age of 18, just not really how people do it. Right. I know uh, Chelsea and any number of feeder soccer systems, you know, you'll you're kind of like a pseudo pro when you're like 13 and 14. Yeah. Um, and you can make a decent living, right? You get a signing bonus, transfer fees, whatever you get. Right. You can't do that here. But uh, now, uh, you know, maybe we're a little behind the game. There's a very big fight going on uh, at our legislative levels, which is our, our body of our government that makes laws, the judicial yep. level, our court system. All of these entities, for whatever reason in 2021, are all fighting to get amateur athletes paid, people that are not pros, that aren't playing major right. league baseball and NBA. So another one, I mean, that's that's been the really a main topic on our podcast, um, you know, just why and, and how lawyers are helping change the world of sport through right. court cases and making laws. So it's a really fun time in our industry. I mean, like the, 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 the paying of athletes in the US has been a hot topic. I mean, like even, even just before I, I get, got over there as well, like in 2014, 2015. And, and I remember like, you know, we, I attended like some law, sport law seminars. And like, this was some of, some of the first topics that people were discussing was like, should college, college athletes be paid? You know, it was like a hot topic. And now, especially also after the, the March Madness tournament and the NCAA tournament that was happening where, you know, there's there's a lot of situation coming up there. And I guess that's probably something that you have discussed already, I guess, in terms of the, the differentiating on the training room and and, and, and so forth. But uh, there's clearly like, you know, uh, a way of like, you know, where, where I guess NCAA has to, has to step in at some point. And, and it's interesting to see, you know, as, as you talk about like the, all these legis- legislations and institutions are sort of like coming in now and, and taking a stand, but how do you sort of like see, like, why do you think this is happening now? You know, like why in 2021? It's a great question. Uh, you know, I'm full of stories. I have a good one for you. Are you ready for this one? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So I mean, just to put in perspective, because this is it's a situation I, I think is unique to maybe the United States and Canada. I don't I don't think it's that common. Um, the NCA is uh, the National Collegiate Athletic Association. That's like our governing body. It's like FIFA, but for college sports, we have a governing body over uh, college sports. So it's not that you can you can't get paid. Right. If you if you are an athlete and you get uh, some uh, big alumni of the school says, hey, if you come to my school, I'll hand you a, a check for a million dollars. You right. can get paid, but you know yeah. what happens? You lose your eligibility if they find out. So right. there, there is a world, and you know, I'm not saying anything so controversial, but there's a lot of people that believe, uh, and, and some people that have gotten busted for it over the years, that are getting paid underneath the table and are getting, and it, maybe, it's, maybe it's fair, maybe it's not fair, but yeah. college sports uh, and the NCAA is a billion dollar industry. There's a lot of money yeah, that is being made off of the backs of college athletes. So if you are anything else but a college athlete, if you're a musician, if you're, uh, what's, what's another one? Let's say just you're an entrepreneur in your college. You're right. You can, you can make money. You can, you can do any number of things. 
But the only one, the only profession that you can't be in college and make money is an actor. That just, you know, there, there is a world where athletes are, for whatever reason, discriminated against. So, right. you know, the college sports have kind of said, well, if we allow athletes to get paid, it's going to ruin our whole model. And I can tell you, well, this is now getting to the fun part, for 100 years, no one has ever, people have tried to challenge it, but people just said, let's let it be, let's let college sports collect all this money, and nobody wanted to challenge it. Right. Now, what, what has happened, um, November of 2019, this is pre-pandemic, uh, there was uh, some uh, senators, congresspeople over in the state of California. Oh, your lovely state. I don't know what's in the water over there, but we get a lot I mean, of... And that's why I went there. <laughs> Clearly. So with these, uh, in, our, in our country, people are free to make fun of our legal system and our, uh, our politics because we are all over the place and no one can agree on anything. But one issue that seems to have found issue on support, we have uh, Democrats and Republicans. Those are the two political parties. Right. Why we only have two political parties is beyond me, but we only have two. Um, they rarely agree on anything. But for whatever reason, over in California, Democrats and Republicans unanimously agreed, let's create a law that allows college athletes to get paid. There was no reason they did it. Nothing was going on. And they just said, let's do this. It would be fun. Because I'm sure coming up with a bill to get athletes paid is more fun then you know, coming up with the healthcare bill or the education bill, uh, it's you know it's for sports fans, and I'm sure there were a ton in um, you know in the, in the session. Yeah. What happened was California passed it. The governor of California, a guy by the name of Gavin Newsom, uh, mm. he had this bill, and the governor has to sign the bill into law. Right. And what did he do? He goes, "This might help me probably with my political aspirations one day." Mm. He calls up Le LeBron James on the Lakers, and he says. LeBron, I have this bill, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, maybe this conversation happened, but he said, I have this bill, uh, I, I could make history by signing this thing into law. Can I go on your television show and sign it into law live on the television show? This is a true story. Right. And on the television show, Gavin Newsom, next to LeBron James, the, maybe the best basketball player uh, other than Michael Jordan ever, uh, he signs this bill. So what did that do? LeBron looked great because he's ahead of this movement to help athletes. Gavin Newsom looked great. And that sent off a signal around the country. We have 50 states in our country. Yeah. Almost every single state, their next legislative session had a bill. How can we get athletes paid? I want to, I want to, I want this to help my career. I want to help. So it set off a, a really a spew of litigation or legislation, laws, proposed laws across our country. Right. And uh, it started in California. And now those conversations are recurring at the federal level. Uh, and they're recurring at our, our highest court in our entire land, the United States Supreme Court. Everybody wants to get on this equation of should athletes get paid? And if we pay them, what it looks like? It's a very complex question. The smartest people in our country right now are grappling with the sports law issue, which is just, uh, it's like uh, music to my ears. It's not, not, every, not every day you get a, literally, literally the highest judges in our, in our land, the nine judges, last week heard a case called NCA versus Alston. The judges who went to Harvard, Yale, the smartest people in our country, are debating college basketball and college football. It's like the, you know, it's like the World Cup of, of sports law. I guess it's also like just showcases again, like just the power of sports, right? And like also how big of an industry college athletics is, you know, and like it's been like such a debatable, you know, um, topic for, for such a long time. And, and again, like all you need is one, right? To sort of like get that movement started. And, but that one and that, that's sort of like, I guess state and, and, and spoke person has to be the right one too, to sort of like make that impact. It shouldn't be, you know, whomever. And, and the fact that, of course, like they brought this into attention has, has led to a very interesting, you know, case, which I think, you know, it, it's still probably a lot of questions and, and challenges that they have 
have to face and and i guess like from an like ncaa governing body position too is like how do they you know make sure that you know they actually are complying with the new rules and making sure that this is this is going accordingly you know to 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 the benefits of the student athletes which has been you know essentially struggling of course like they they cover a lot of the scholarships and everything for like them you know being there and 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 having school but but besides that like food you know uh, housing a lot of different things that they need right it has not been covered per per se and like if we want to go full back story too i remember like when uh, when ea right didn't they create like a college like ncaa game back in the day and then and then People were like, even at that point, we were like, why aren't the players getting any cut? And and you said like the, and I remember we discussed it in Sparkla too during my program. And and we talked about like, well, they they didn't have the names on the jersey. So hence, you know, they were, they were just, you know, players in a game. There weren't really any like personal affiliations and hence they couldn't get any, you know, money from that game or, or so forth. So there's a lot of things there that I think will change. And I know like EA already talked about like maybe creating a new game. So that could be interesting to see how that also impacts, I guess, with those, those with those rules and regulations. hundred um, percent. You know, it's a fascinating world. Uh, there's a lot of money that's out there to be made for college athletes. It's just a matter of whether uh, the world is going to allow them to take advantage of it. But yeah, it's, it's super fascinating. So, we're about to sort of like wrap up here. And I guess like, I only have like one, one final question for you, Dan. And, and that's sort of like, you know, for, for and, and there's a lot of sort of like students and young professionals that are tuning in. And I, and, and I think you all have been enjoying sort of like the, the fascinating stories that, that Dan has been sharing with us today from, uh, from his, his, his Portland journey. But for, for those that I guess like are, are trying to, to break in, that sort of route what, what sort of like kind of skills do you think they should possess and and what could be sort of like a great way of you know maybe start analyzing some of these cases and i guess like some of the cases you already talked about but where do you sort of like begin i mean the, the short answer is this like you have to find what what interests you at the end of the day i mean you can write a topic um you know that doesn't interest you like but it's people can read through that unless you're the world's greatest writer you can write about stuff that doesn't find you that you're not passionate about. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. If you are, and uh, you know, all of you and I, and hopefully there's some Formula One fans that are, are listening to this, but I, during the pandemic, I'm sure you almost have like a Formula One chair. So I was fair to assume that you I mean, were like, I, I just call it a gaming chair. So <laughs> it's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, was never interested in Formula One, but during the pandemic, when there were no sports, there was a, I'd never seen Formula One. I'd absolutely heard of it. But I went through the library of uh, a show, there's a Netflix show called Drive to Survive. Right. Um, Michael Schumacher, I was watching documentaries on him and, uh, and then Elaine Prost and uh, Michael Senna, you know, and uh, Senna, Elaine Senna. Is it Elaine right. Senna? Is it a, I think it's Elaine, whatever, Senna. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I was pounding through these documentaries and all of a sudden, you know, I, I, like, I have a genuine interest for Formula One. So uh, I, I would tell people don't, you know, maybe I'm saying this is blasphemy, but, uh, you know, the core sports, there's going to be a lot of people writing about soccer, or I'm going to call it fo football, with the, with the <laughs> a lot of people writing about baseball. But, uh, you know, in, in my world of sports law, um, there aren't that many people talking about golf, for example, right? There are not many people talking about something uh, like you know, tennis. There are sports relations in any number of realms. And if you feel passionate, the reason I brought up Formula One, 
I think Formula One's really fascinating. I don't have enough time in the day to cover every sport. Yeah. Um, but if someone is so passionate about Formula One, there are a number of legal and technical issues that maybe don't necessarily require a quote unquote lawyer, but yeah. paying college athletes is not necessarily a legal thing, but lawyers, right? It's a fancy way of saying that we're problem solvers. We come in, you have a problem, the lawyer can fix it. Um, so yeah, we're almost like a mechanic, but for you know real life problems. And uh, yeah, don't, uh, I, you know, I think the, the lawyer is a, it's like kind of an intimidating profession, right? Like a doctor, uh, but these people are so fancy. Right. A lot of my friends are just normal sports fans and we're in fantasy leagues <laughs> and we talk a lot of trash to each other. Um, play yeah, FIFA, I don't, Madden and all this play stuff. Play FIFA, <laughs> and right. We have a club, you know, I play soccer with my friends and street hockey, you know, that's, that's those are, lawyers are normal people. So, yeah. uh, you know, approaching concepts, we're almost problem solvers, we're detectives, we're figuring out big questions. So. Yeah, you don't have to be a lawyer to write a heavy hitting article, right? You guys talk about sports business. It's a very similar intersection. Um, you know, the business at the heart of sports. Do you need a law degree to analyze a contract? Not really. Do you need a business degree to analyze? Not really. Same type of uh, same type of tones, for sure. But I mean, like you know, and I think uh, you know, as a I guess as a as a final remark as well, and that's that's sort of like what you've been been talking about too. Is sort of like you know follow follow your passion right and 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 and, and capitalize on and grabbing the opportunity of you know um take the first step you know of being out there and and whether that's you know writing a case or, or i mean like in, in many of those that maybe are like a little bit fresh too it's like you know reach out to people like dan like 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 others lawyers right that are working on on sports cases and 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 ask them you know about those cases and it's not like well, well well why is this happening or why why is this taking the direction that you have like have that hunger for like understanding because i know a lot of you maybe are not in the position yet of like uh you know fully grasping around like okay how do i make my stand on it yet but like if you're not there yet you know capitalize on the people that do and then maybe you pull up another case or or another story on like okay this is what i learned and this is where i perhaps can can go from there because i think that's going to help you on your path a hundred percent i think you just kind of have to trust your gut at the end of the day and if you uh you know you're not going to Let me put it this way. No, nobody rose to the top of the world uh, of sports by sitting home and just reading other people's content. They <laughs> at some point wanted to be a disruptor uh, for, for better, for worse. And that's kind of what you have to do. You just kind of have to put yourself out there. Absolutely. Well, Dan, I would like to thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, for, for taking the time for being part of our podcast. And, uh, you know, with every, every video we do, we always finish with something Norwegian. So I'm learning some Norwegian today, which is Visnakis, uh, which means see you later in Norwegian. Can I can I try that? Try it. Visnakis. There you go. Nice word. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. I'll I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right. Thank I'll you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. <laughs>